We have a message today, and it's by Robert Morris. And what we've done every year is that we take a 30-minute message from Robert Morris. He's been a blessing to my life. He's somebody that, I'm going to be honest, anytime I hear him speak on generosity, I start weeping because I say, Lord, help me be more like that. Help me be and have more of that generous heart. Now, I'm going to be honest, I consider myself a generous person. But how many know sometimes you're like, yo, I'm good, I'm good looking. But then I'm, no, that was just me. But then I look at Roman Reigns, who's my wife's crush, I mean, yo, you, you saw Roman Reigns jawline? Then I look at Crims Helmsworth. Huh? Whatever. I'm like, man, that's a handsome man. That is. <laughs> Putting everybody in the flesh before the sermon. Okay. But I'm saying that all to say that I might consider myself generous, but when I see a man like Robert Morris who lives this out at a whole nother level, he's given houses, he's just lived, like literally lived that way. Living in a house, God says, hey, I want you to give it to somebody else. He gives it. I could imagine, right, what that goes in terms of family and all that. And so I want us to lean in today on this message. And he's not going to be physically in the building, but he's going to be on our screens today. But I want it to feel like he's in the building. Is that all right? So we could, amen, we could go ahead, preacher. We could take your time, take your time. When he says something good, we're going to clap. Amen? No further ado, draw your attentions to our screen as, as we embark into part four, part three of our message series. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored, honored, honored always to be at Life Church. I really don't know how many times I've been here. I don't know why Pastor Craig keeps inviting me back, but um, it might have something to do with that I uh, send him $100 every year, but um, <laughs> I love being here. Um, I wear a sport coat because Pastor Craig has six abs, and I have one ab. <laughs> so... But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. He actually doesn't look like that. I don't know if any of you saw the Super Bowl commercial where Aquaman went home and took his muscles off and his hairpiece. That's what Craig Groeschel looks like at home. I just wanted you to know. That's the true story. True story. All right, so I'm honored to be here. Uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles or your phones or whatever, I'll be in Exodus 13. Most of the time, I'm going to get to, I'm honored to do a two-week series for you, so I'll be here next weekend as well, um, and it's called First Things First. First Things First, and the title of this week's message is The Principle of First. Now, the principle of first is a principle that runs all through Scripture and always works. If God is first in your life, everything can come into order. If God is not first in your life, nothing can come in order. And when I say everything comes in order, I don't mean we're not going to have problems 
or tribulations world. Jesus said you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I don't mean you won't ever have any problems because we live in a fallen world. But what I do mean is that everything in your life can come into order and you can walk through whatever situation you go through because God is in charge and in control in your life because you've put him first in your life. So uh, I have three points for you, uh, but I wanna read a couple scriptures in Exodus 13. That's a miracle, that's two, two pages from it there, okay. Exodus 13, verse one. Now, I know this is the Old Testament, and it's kind of Old Testament-y, but just stay with me because 1 Corinthians 10 says everything in the Old Testament was written for our instruction and for our example, an example to us. So Exodus 13, verse one. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate, that's a big word, which means set aside, set apart. The first, to me, all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast, it is mine. Now, I, I wish I could tell you how strong this is in the Hebrew, but it, it, it means exactly what it says, it is mine. But another way to say it is, it's my property, it belongs to me. It's mine. The firstborn belongs to God. And then verse 12 of Exodus 13, and, thir and verse 13, you shall set apart, again, that's the same thing as consecrate or make holy, set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's, or again, shall belong to God. They're God's. But every, now this again is a little Old Testament to you, but I'll explain it. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with the lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, you're gonna lose it. If you don't redeem it, you'll lose it. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, so I have three points. If you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. Uh, <laughs> so here's number one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's what we just read. The firstborn must be, according to this verse, sacrificed or redeemed. Now, again, this was a law in the Old Testament. We know we're not under law, we're under grace, but there are principles behind the laws. That's what we're trying to figure out. What are the principles behind the 10 commandments to have a better relationship with God and a better relationship with others? What are the principles in the Old Testament that carry all through the Bible? And this is a principle that carries all through the Bible. It goes all the way back to the garden, goes all the way to the book of Revelation. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. But how do you know which? How do you know whether to sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, he gives us two classifications of animals that are exemplary of animals that are clean and unclean. A lamb represents a clean animal. A donkey represents an unclean animal. So if you have, if you're a firstborn animal from a clean animal, if you have one from a clean animal, you have to sacrifice it. If it comes from an unclean animal, you have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean. So I'm gonna say that one more time. If it's a clean, it has to be sacrificed. A clean firstborn must be sacrificed. If it's an unclean firstborn, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Again, I know when I'm going through this, I might be losing something. You might be thinking, I don't understand why this is so important. 
I can tell you why it's so important. <laughs> this represents actually what Jesus Christ did for us. Amen. So uh, let, let me, let's, let's, let's say it this way. Um, were you, when you were born in this world, spiritually speaking, were you born clean or unclean? Unclean, because we're all born with a sin nature, right? And I can prove it by simply asking the experts in the room, the parents, <laughs> do you have to teach your children to be bad? Or does it come naturally to them? We have to teach them to be good, right? So we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean, okay, listen, you're gonna like this one. You're gonna like it. I'm gonna bring it all around now. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. There it is. That's what this represents. <laughs> That's why I'm saying when you, when you read something in the Old Testament, you don't understand it, think about what does this represent? How does this represent Christ and how does this affect me today? So that's where it is. So when we talk about, we're gonna talk a little bit later about the tithe, about tithing to the church. So don't, don't leave, okay, please don't leave. We're gonna talk about that some, but you have to understand there's a principle of the first and it starts with the firstborn. Here's what the firstborn does, by the way. The firstborn redeems the rest. See, God doesn't ask for the 10th born. He asks for the firstborn. You know why? Because it takes faith to give the first. In other words, he doesn't say, after your sheep has 10 lambs, then give me one of them, and you can give me the one that keeps getting in your garden that you don't like. <laughs> he says, give me the first one when you don't have the other nine. Again, I want you to think about tithing. <laughs> and if you give your tithe first before you pay the bills, see? So this is what it, let me tell you something else the tithe represents, because a lot of people badmouth the tithe because they say, well, it's Old Testament. Well, it began in the Old Testament, but it's a principle that's all through Scripture that even Jesus himself emphasized. Jesus himself said, you ought to tithe. Now, I was saved in a motel room, a Jake's Motel, room 12. Uh, they didn't allow pets, uh, but they had roaches instead. <laughs> Jake's Motel, room 12. They only had 13 rooms, and I thought 13 was unlucky. I got saved in that motel room out of drugs and out of being in and out of jail. So if Jesus said that you ought to tithe, that's enough for me right there. That settles it right there for me. And that's Matthew 23, 23, if you wanna look it up later. Okay, but here's, here's the thing. People talk bad about the tithe. Please let me give you a little different perspective. <laughs> Jesus is God's tithe. Because he's, he's the firstborn. And God didn't wait for you to straighten up to give Jesus. God gave Jesus first. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I wonder how God feels about it when people speak negatively about the tithe. And yet Jesus is God's firstborn. And we're gonna see in a minute, first fruits. He's God's tithe. God gives him first. 
Actually, Romans even says it. It says in hope, and that word for hope is actually faith. He gives him in faith, in hope, that we will come to him. So that's, so that's our, our Savior. Uh, my, uh, I have two sons and a daughter. All three are married, doing great. But my daughter, um, when um, guys were going to date her, they had to date me first, you know? And they had to meet with me, and I'd meet with them, and I would, you know, just normal things. I'd ask them questions, show, me, show them my gun collection, normal things <laughs> that a father does. But uh, they were standing around one time after our young adult service, and they were talking about how, how, how strange it'd be to date the pastor's daughter. And so um, uh, one of them said, you know, your dad said to my daughter, Elaine, your dad is so strong on tithing I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And my daughter said, he does. And I did. And I have a real simple question for you. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? And that's God's language, not mine. Don't get offended at me. God said the person who does tithe is stealing from me and robbing me. And by the way, have you ever thought about what you're robbing him from because he owns it all? I'll tell you what you're robbing him from. You're robbing him from the opportunity to bless you. That's how you're robbing him because he owns it all. So you're not robbing him any other way. So, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's number two. The first fruits must be offered. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your possessions, your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase or income, you could say. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land, he's really making, this is first things first, the first of the first fruits of your land, you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Two things I want you to notice. The tithe comes to the house of God, not to a university, not to a missionary. We do give to other good things, but that's over and above the tithe. It comes to the house of God, but he said you must bring it. Let me tell you something about the tithe. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He always uses the word bring. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse. This is why. Because you can't give what you don't own. You have two choices with the tithe according to Scripture. You can bring it or you can steal it. Those are your only two choices. Just look through scripture. I've studied it 40 years and try to find any other choice with the tithe. When I was in college, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice, but he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor was really honest. He said, you know, I really don't know. Well, when the Lord showed me this truth about firstborn and first fruits belong to God, then you see it. So let me just read it for you and you'll see it too. Genesis 4, verse 3 and 5. And in the process of time, now those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass, it just kind of came to pass, that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say first fruits. It's just in the process of time, it came to pass. An offering. Verse 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. Did you see it? It's clear. Abel's a, a rancher, he brings the firstborn. 
Cain's a farmer, but he doesn't bring first fruits. In the process of time, it came to pass, he brought an offering to the Lord. Let's say it another way. He gave what he wanted, when he wanted. And God said, no, I only accept the first. And it's not just that God would not accept his offering, it's that God could not accept his offering. There are some things God can't do. A lot of people don't understand this. They say God can do anything because he's God. No, he can't because he can never act outside of his character. God can't lie because he is truth. God can't change because he's perfect. I'll tell you something else God can't do. It shocks a lot of people. God can't think the way we think. He can't think the way we think. Simple reason, one simple reason is God is omniscient. He knows everything. We think to figure things out. He's not trying to figure anything out. He doesn't think like we think. Uh, okay, let me say it another way, because remember, God knows everything. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. Never said it, because he knows everything. Hey, so I tell you, God can't lie, he can't change, he's immutable. He, doesn't need, he can't change because he's perfect. If he could change, he could get better, and he can't get better because he's best. He can't think the way we think. And by the way, the scripture you're thinking about, where I said God can't think, you're, the scripture you're thinking about confirms this. Here's what God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Okay, so he does think, but he doesn't think like we think. But here's another thing God can never do. He can never be second. He can never be second. He's first of all, he's above all, he's higher than all, he's first. That's the reason he could not accept his offering. So firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. First fruits must be offered. We just saw it in scripture. And here's point three. The tithe must be first. The reason is because it belongs to God. We're just returning it. We're not giving it, we're, we're returning it. Let me read you the scripture. Leviticus 27, 30. And all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. Same language as in Exodus 13, belongs to God, it's his property. It is holy, again, same word, set apart to the Lord. Okay, so um, I'm gonna give you a math illustration, okay? And let me just say right now, I understand that half of you will turn me off right now. I understand that. And half of you will love it. Um, my wife and I are like this. I, my father is a mathematical genius, and that's, that's certified. Certified mathematical genius. Uh, so I have this affinity to math. My wife does not have that affinity. Um, I, I add up numbers in my mind without trying to. If you spout off numbers, I can give you the sum of them. It's just the way I think. It just happens. We were, Debbie and I bought something one time. It was $7.99. And the lady said, I'm gonna have to add the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. I said, it's 66 cents, that, that fast. And she went and looked at me a minute, you know, and then she, it's 66 cents. <laughs> I said, okay. So, you know, I pay it. And so then we, we go out, we get in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? Well, I thought that she was actually asking me (laughs) 
how I did it. So I said, well, sugar, our tax rate is 8.25. 799 is close to eight, so eight times eight is 64. Quarter of eight is two. 64 plus two is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said to me, it doesn't. And then she said, but I know what 25% off means. <laughs> so, so, I got to tell you, it doesn't end there. I still, I still thought we were talking math. So I said, okay, if you're buying something for $100, I was going to check her math, and it's 25% off. What does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. <laughs> and then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then she does like this. <sighs> like, I don't understand math, you know? <laughs> she said, Robert, everybody knows 50% off is the same thing as buy one Get one free. So it's 50% off, it's free. I'm shocked you don't know that. And then she said, and if it's 75% off, you're making money. Okay, so, so let me tell you a math illustration. How does this giving first to God work out? All right, it won't take long, okay? Let's say you have a landscape company, and Debbie and I asked you to come over and, you know, put in some plants and, and flowers and things, you know, and you say, Pastor Robert, uh, this this be my materials. This will be on labor to put them in, and my profit will be $1,000 on the job. We got to make profit, obviously. Got to have an income. Is the whole price agreeable to you? I see it's agreeable. So you do the job, and I pay all your labor, pay all your materials and expenses, and then I give you a 10 $100 bills, $1,000 for your income. So Because you, you don't tithe on materials and all that because that's not part of your income. It's your increase. So you have uh, 10 $100 bills in your hand. So here's the math part. So only half of you have to answer this question, okay? So obviously a tithe is 10%. So how much is the tithe? $100, right? You got $1,000, $100, okay? But here's the next question. Which one of the 10 $100 bills is the tithe? The first one, yes. Good, you're listening. But how do you know which one's the first one? Let me tell you how. It's the first one that leaves your hand. For instance, if you go home and say, I'm gonna set aside some for the mortgage, some for groceries, some for the car, some for insurance. Oh, look, there's not enough left over for God. Yeah, I really don't mean this sarcastically, but he wouldn't accept it anyway. He even says it in Malachi. He said, you bring me lame animals and blind and maimed. I, I do not accept him. He does not accept the leftover offering. He didn't accept Cain's. See, you gave the first part to the mortgage company. And can I tell you something? The mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. So you give the first one to God. Be, be, you say, God, I got a stack of bills here, but I'm giving you first. And 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without. Now, let me, let me also say something. Because if you say, well, I may be tithing. I've been tithing for years, but I never thought about it that way. That's okay. Now you know, though. Just give it first, give it first. Um, I am not legalistic about this. God's not legalistic about it. It is your heart. He's looking at your heart. 
but in my heart, I wanna put God first. But let's just say, every, so I get paid on the 15th and the 30th. And so what I do during my quiet time in the morning, 15th and 30th, is I go online and I send my tithe to the church. For Debbie and I, and I, I, God told me years ago to start saying this when I teach on this, we give a double tithe. And, we just, and I, we're not bragging, I'm just telling you that because God's calling some of you to double tithe. That's the only reason I say it. We started that in 1985. So we've done it 35 years now. So I, we give 20% to the local church and then we give over and above that. But, so I'll do that on the 15th, 30th. But what if I get busy, I have an early morning flight somewhere or something, and I forget that it, oh, it's the 15th and go out of town later that day, I think, oh, it's the 15th. And I go online and I notice that Debbie has been to the grocery store that day. Okay, I don't say to her, that's great sugar, we're cursed. You gave part of the tithe to Kroger's and so we're cursed. I don't do that because God is not legalistic. It's my heart. Are, are you following me? So I don't mean, don't be legalistic about it. Be principled about it though, okay? So let me tell you one more thing out of Exodus 13, then we're finished. Uh, we stopped a while ago at verse 13. Let's read verses 14 and 15. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what, what is this? Now, they're talking about, this is talking about giving the firstborn, sacrificing the firstborn to God. Why, why are you doing this, what he's saying? Why are you killing all these animals, Dad? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, in other words, this is the reason I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, so here's what God says. He knows what's gonna happen. He knows one day your son's gonna ask you why are you doing this. So if you think about it this way, let's say he's a little boy and he runs in the house and he says, Mom, Dad, the, the sheep is having her, her lamb right now and it's her first one and, and come, come see. So everyone runs out to the barn, but the dad grabs the butcher knife on the way. And so they go out the barn and the little lamb is born. They're all standing around. Oh, look at the dear lamb. Oh, look, him standing up, him standing up. And then the dad grabs the lamb by the hind legs, picks it up and cuts his throat. And this little boy is watching this. So you know what he's thinking, don't you? He's thinking, I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm not gonna do that. I'll find out and I won't do that, you know. And this happens the whole time he's growing up. And then the son goes to college, he comes home, and uh, the dad says, hey, why don't you take care of the books? You got your education now. So one day he's going over the books, the dad comes in from the field, and he says, dad, um, sit down, dad. I, I wanna talk to you just for a minute about something. Um, you, you don't have that knife with you, do you? Okay, okay, well, anyway, I've done right, it's okay. Um, you asked me to go over the books, and, and dad, you, um, um, you, I don't know if you know this, but every time one of our animals has a firstborn, um, um, well, you, you kill it, Dad. And um, I was just wondering why you do that. He said, when your son asks you, you say to him, son, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. We weren't always in the ranching business. As a matter of fact, son, we didn't own land, we didn't have any animals. 
we were slaves. But God, with a mighty hand, set us free and gave us everything you see. Therefore, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase. Now, this was written about 4,000 years ago. Happened 4,000, you know, no, no, written 4,000. Okay, so this happened to me. Almost the same thing. I'm, I, years ago, I would, before I did online, I would write the tithe check and then set it to the side and then pay the bills. Um, I was just thinking, uh, for you younger people, we used to have pieces of paper called checks. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, so I'd write the tithe check, set aside, and then I'd pay all the bills, and I'd take it on the weekend to church. So I'd done that, and I had it over here, and my oldest son came in. He was about eight at that time. He has a math mind like I have a math mind, and my dad had it, you know, and so he looks at that tithe check and realizes this is a lot of money. And so he says to me, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered this scripture. And so I said to my son, I actually took him in my lap. And I said to him, son, there's something about dad that, that you don't know. But your daddy wasn't always a Christian. Your daddy was a very, very bad man. And he couldn't stop being bad. But God, with a mighty hand, rescued your daddy and gave us everything that we have now. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my increase. Gladly. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to just ask the Lord in your heart, not out loud, just in your heart, a simple question. Just ask him. Let, let him apply the message. God, what are you saying to me through this message? Just ask the Lord that. What are you saying to me through this message? And I want to encourage you to put God first in every area of your life, including your finances. I, I, I've had more people tell me, listen, if, please hear my heart. If you don't tithe, you're not a rebellious person. You're not rebellious. Number one reason people tell me they don't tithe is they say, I can't afford it. I want to tell you something in love. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because according to the Bible, tithing is what breaks the curse. Otherwise, every time you start to get ahead, something else will break. So just start. Just start. Let me pray for you. Lord, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you that we have all been redeemed from being slaves to sin by your mighty hand and everything we have comes from you and I pray Lord that we will all put you first in every area of our life including our finances in Jesus name Amen How many were blessed by that message? 
As you get up on your feet, I want to just share this last thing. John, if you could come here. This is something that the Holy Spirit showed me a couple of years ago. And there was, there was a, a few years ago, I dislocated my shoulder and I went to therapy, physical therapy. And these bands became my best friend in recovery. And what I realized is that in order for my shoulder to get better, this band needed to stretch. And so every single day, the band stretched. And when I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, he said, this band is a lot like the church. That I need the church to stretch in order for a hurting world to get better. And so I know that sometimes when you were hearing messages like this, we're saying to ourselves, but, but I feel like things are tight right now. I feel like things are difficult. And I just hear the Holy Spirit telling us, hey, would you trust me and stretch? Would you trust me and stretch? I don't know about you, but I think that we're entering our stretching season at Christ Uncensored House of Worship. And it might feel like you can't. It might feel like it's difficult. It might feel like it's impossible. But I promise you, the more you stretch, here's the truth. This thing could be hanging up on a wall, not being used. And it could sit in comfort. It could sit by itself. But I think that this thing was created to stretch. Christ Uncensored was created to stretch. We weren't created just to hang up on a wall. We weren't created just to do church. I genuinely believe in my heart of hearts that Christ uncensored has been called to stretch. And it might feel like it's impossible, but God says stretch. It might feel like the building is not around the corner, but God says stretch. It might feel like West Brighton is not going to change, but God says stretch. something that Pastor Morris said. He said that oftentimes we feel like we can't tithe because we can't afford it. You can't afford not to. So much so that if it's difficult for you to give your 10%, here's what I want to challenge you to do. If it's just like, I don't want to, I want to just say, find somewhere where you can give it. Now, for me, I feel like this is good soil, this is the house, but what my encouragement is, don't live on the full thing that God gives you. Decide in your heart that you're going to live on 90% and give it, give the 10% away. If it's not this house, if this house is not for you and you don't want to sow into this house, that's okay. Sow into another house. Take 10% and give it to another house. Now, again, I believe that it belongs at the house that you're being spiritually fed. But if it's that difficult, I'm just going to say, so anyway. Amen? Let me show you one last thing. We laid out a vision. If we can put me a little bit more on the, on the monitors. We laid out a vision. If we could put a first screen up with the steps. First step, the, first, the other one. Now, I want you to lean into this. I think that everybody's at a different place of giving. Everybody's at a different place of giving. And depending where you see yourself in this chart in terms of giving, maybe you're a person that has never given ever before, and this message is touching you, and you're saying, I don't know where to start. Here's where I'll tell you to start. Give something for the first time. 
Just decide that you're going to give. You're not going to give as an action. You're going to give as an identity because you are a cheerful giver. Or maybe you have already been given and now you're going to become an offering giver. What an offering giver is, is someone that says, I'm going to give. It's, it's one step closer to giving the 10%. Giving the 10%. And so what I'm saying is like decide in your heart an amount that you're going to give between you and the Holy Spirit and be faithful to that amount. And then there's those that are the tithe giver. I'm grateful that at least 40% of this church is walking in what Pastor Morris just spoke about. Amen? Amen. But, but there's 60% of us that still have an opportunity to give. And they can call me delusional, but I, but I believe that 100% of our church can sow into the vision of the house. And you're not going to just sow an offering for heart to give Sunday. You're going to be a dedicated giver because God loves a cheerful giver. When you decide in your heart, maybe you're already a tither in the house. Maybe you're already tithe. Our next step of giving and generosity is tithing and then giving above and beyond the tithe. That's giving towards our extra offerings. That's giving. So for me and my house, we give our tithe and then we give about 2 to 3% in offering in addition. In addition to that, we have sacrificial giving. That means you give your tithe, you give your offering, and then you go above and beyond up until what we call a vision giver. That's someone that's sowing regularly above their tithe and offering towards the vision of the house, meaning we have, we've been praying for a building in this house. Amen? Amen. We've been in this location for about three and a half years. This year will make four years that we're in this house. October of this year will be four years that we're in this house. And I believe that we're going to leave from this place into our very own building. So that might take two years of sacrificing. But I believe it can be done. All it takes is for us to believe in what God said. Amen? Amen. Do you receive that? Yeah. Give God a praise. I'm going to ask our host team to come forward as we collect our tithes and our offering. And for anybody that's in this place and heard this message and say, Lord, help me be generous. Well, the greatest act of generosity that ever occurred in all of human history was when God gave his son, Jesus Christ, as his tithe, as his firstborn offering, so that the clean can redeem the unclean. If you're in this place, I want to pray for you before you come with your offering. And I want, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, God, I receive your love. Because of that, I give you my life. From this day forward. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen.